0: Liz is a blogger, an interior designer, and the owner of the shop, The Found Cottage. And her most recent addition to that list is author because in September, Liz's first book, Cozy White Cottage, 100 Ways to Love the Feeling of Being at Home, was published. And guys, this book is so good. I cannot wait for you to hear more about it. I know for me, decorating my home is something I love to do, but it hasn't always come naturally to me. Chances are you feel the same way. You want your home to be your favorite place in the world, cozy, nurturing, comfortable, beautiful, but you might feel at a loss for how to actually make your home feel that way. And that's why I'm so happy to have Liz here with us today. Liz is here to teach us how to transform our homes into a beautiful space we long to come home to. She's gonna walk us through what to do to make our homes feel more cozy and more inviting. She'll also share some practical tips for styling some of the tougher spaces in our homes, spaces like our shelves, our living rooms, and our beds. I know you guys are going to love this conversation, especially as it's getting colder outside and as the holidays are around the corner. One of my favorite parts of the episode is where she shares with us the secret to making our beds look like the ones that we see in home stores or magazines. Her advice blew my mind, and I know it's going to do the same for you. But before we dive in, I wanted to share some really big news with you. Friends, my new book, Every Single Moment, comes out today. I can't believe it. I can't believe I get to say those words right now. So if you head over to esmawilsonshop.com, you can hear more about it and you can grab your very own copy. But I want to tell you just a little bit about it in case you haven't gotten to hear yet. So the prayer journal is called Every Single Moment and it's a hundred powerful prayers to help you savor the present and prepare for the future. It was designed to help women connect with God through prayer in a whole new way, leaving them full of joy, alive with hope, and ready for love. Not only will it help women pray for their future husbands, it'll help them be ready for marriage when the time comes. And it'll help them make the most of every single moment along the way, all through the power of prayer. Friends, every single moment really is a life-changing way of praying for your future husband. And today, if you head over to esmaywilsonshop.com, you can grab your very own copy. I cannot wait to share this with you. Okay, with that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here is my conversation with Liz. All right, friends, I'm so excited for who I get to introduce you to today. I'm sitting here with my friend, Liz Marie Galvin, and you're just going to love her and you're going to love this conversation. I know it. I've been so excited about this. Liz, thanks so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. This
0: is so fun. So Liz, for the women who aren't familiar with you yet, tell us who you are, what you do, and I'm excited about this. Can you give us a fun fact about yourself?
1: So I am Liz Marie from LizMarieBlog.com and I am an interior designer, uh, blogger, shop owner, mother, wife, um, all the things, but yeah, I blog daily about our home. Um, We live on a farm here in Michigan, an eight acre farm where we have sheep and bees and a lot of dogs and a lot of cats and all the things. So that's a little bit about myself um, and my daily life. But an interesting fact about myself and something that I never share um, is that I'm a huge 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 true crime buff um, when I'm not blogging or working on home decor I am usually trying to solve all of the crimes around America and I'm always listening to podcasts and um, watching videos um, you can ask my husband it's just constant here listening to true crime so it's something that I rarely share but that's a big part of my life so yeah kind of that funny. Is, it is so funny
0: that I feel like that's true for so many people like true yeah. crime is like just a hole that so many of us find ourselves diving into, except for me though, because I am too much of, um, I don't know what word to use. Wimp. Maybe I like, I just couldn't because otherwise I'm going to imagine that every creak, every sound is yes. yeah, me stepping into my own true crime story where I yeah. just get take it in the middle of the night or something.
1: You can go down like a dark hole of it. So you have to pause once in a while, but, um, it's always been something that's fascinated me along with interior design since I was little. So it's just something that I never share, but it's like always been like a huge part of my life. So, so you
0: were either going to become an interior designer or a detective is really,
1: really, I tell Jose all the time, my husband, that I would totally go back to school for forensics. It's something that really fascinates me. So just. Interesting. <laughs> so, if anyone has a crime that they need to solve,
0: yeah, you can yeah. help them as well. Yeah, as well as all the things you're going to help us with today. Yeah. I'm so glad yeah. we know that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Liz, you have a book out, a brand new book out, and it's called Cozy White Cottage. And I, the thing that like captured my heart about this the most is the subtitle, and it says "A Hundred Ways to Love the Feeling of Being Home." And that that just those words, the lo- to love the feeling of being home. I feel like so many of us don't feel that way, but we all want to feel that way. And when we do feel that way, it just is is game-changing in so many ways. And so as we're kind of getting into the fall and the holidays are coming up and we're sort of cozying into life, I feel like this is the perfect time to invest in our homes a little bit and and make the places where we spend so much of our time into a place we really love being. And so I'm super excited about this. And So, you know, as I'm reading through your book, you talked a little bit about how your heart for interior design started. And I know that a lot of it happened out of necessity with you guys moving a lot and your husband being in the military. Can you tell us like, where did this journey begin for you?
1: Yeah. So my love for interior design started when I was a child. I have always, I've not known life without the passion for beautiful spaces. And it started with my grandma um, and just always being surrounded by women who also had the passion for making their homes cozy. And then as I moved into an adult, I was married very young at the age of 19. And my husband was in the military. So he was deploying all the time. So it was kind of innate in me to make a cozy home. I guess it wasn't um, super um, something that I thought about or that was intentional. Um, but it was something that I was naturally doing because I was without my husband for seven months. I was away from family and everything that I've known, um, at such a young age. So making a home cozy just became a part of what I did daily. Um, so that's kind of where this stemmed from. And then as I started sharing on the blog and uh, my Instagram, I started getting comments from people that are just like, all of your spaces are so cozy. And I started to realize that was what I was doing. I was making everything cozy, um, around me and it was really cool. I, I needed someone else to reflect on that for me to tell me what I was doing. So that was a really interesting thing about blogging and, um, social medias. Um, people will tell you things about you that you don't know. Um, hmm. and it was a really cool thing. So yeah. That is a really cool thing. So yeah, something I, I feel like I don't get to talk about a lot is
0: the fact that I have this total fringe passion for interior design. And so on the weekends, like my favorite thing to do in the way that I unwind is by like trying to you know redo a room or organize a closet or you know redecorate something. And and it's not something I'm naturally good at. I'm not one of those people who like sneezes and her shelves are perfect all of a sudden. But I, but it's something I've been like kind of studying and something I'm really excited about and, and um, something I'm trying to get better at. And so it's, it's sort of like my version of true crime for you. So I'm, I love getting to talk to you about this because yeah. really it's just like one of my things that I love. Yeah. So there's a quote from your book that that I love. And you said, I hope this book helps people create a sanctuary to gather in, live in and love in. It's the best feeling to have a a cozy corner of the world that people long to come home to. And I just love that. And so backing up a little bit, you've been teaching thousands and thousands and thousands of women how to create spaces they love. And I know that that's because the majority of us, don't necessarily love the feeling we get when we come home. And most of us don't really know what to do about that. And so can you talk to us about this? Like when people stumble upon your work, how do they normally feel about their homes? Like what are some of the the roadblocks they're running into?
1: I think that people when they come to me, they're thinking that the things that I'm sharing are not obtainable to just like an everyday person. And they are. And that's what I wanted the book to be is a hundred ways that anyone can make their spaces cozy. It's nothing that's too drastic or too much or a whole home renovation. It's simply starting with just, um, I have a whole basically like a whole chapter on reducing, reusing, and recycling things that you already have and ridding your homes of things that you don't love and things like that. Um, it's it's obtainable. And I think that's the biggest issue that people think that they have to basically spend a ton of money or um, do a whole home renovation to make their homes cozy.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's it seems hard and it seems expensive and it seems like something you have to have some sort of degree. So when you talk to people, like how do people how how do what do you find the majority of people saying about their homes? Like what are the feelings that most people have when they when they come home?
1: I think um when people are coming to me for help, I think that people are they're feeling like they can't calm down when they're home or they can't decompress from their day because all they see is some is work or they're feeling like they can't get cozy on the weekends with their family because all they're seeing is work. So I wanted to create a book that could easily, um, there's even like 10 minute challenges in the book that can easily um, create a sanctuary when you come home, somewhere where you can decompress, even if it's just starting in a corner. An interesting fact when I was writing this book, our home, we didn't even have a kitchen when we started. Um, our home was a complete fixer-upper. So I'm writing this book on how to have a cozy home while our home was in the fixer-upper stage. So I hope that that also, like that fact is like, okay, it's attainable even when someone doesn't have a kitchen or we had holes in our floor to the basement um, and you can still have a cozy home. It doesn't have to be complete or done or where you see it in 50 years but it can still be cozy.
0: Well, and that's one of the things you talked about that I really liked and it was this idea of don't wait. Like talk to us about that. What is what do you mean by don't wait and like how did you learn this and how do we put that advice into practice?
1: I think people have different theories on this and I actually like love and respect everyone's theories on the don't wait like philosophy of home decor, you know. Some people are saying, you know, don't make any moves until you have everything in place and your budget, and um, you find the perfect pieces. Um, in my life, I've learned. Um, we were married at nineteen. Our budget was basically nothing. I have always lived by the philosophy of don't wait make your space cozy in the moment with what you have. So if your budget is $0 and you find a dresser um, on the side of the road and you want to make that your TV stand for now, give it a little paint job, um, put some new knobs on it and make it your TV stand. You know, I, I feel like we can make any space cozy on any budget with things that you already have around the house or um, flea market finds, things like that, or going into your mom's house and digging through her cupboards and finding like old vintage quilts that she's not using and things like that. So my philosophy is don't wait. I was actually talking about this, um, on my blog earlier today is, um, just, we don't know what tomorrow brings and we want to make memories and make our homes cozy for our families today. So just do that. And it's, it's can be really simple.
0: Yeah. I really like that. I, um, when you're talking about being newly married and having a really small budget, I, for the first several years that I noticed this like passion kind of waking up in me of wanting to have the, like a, beautiful, cozy space that really was my favorite place to be. I had like, no money at all. And, uh, I think we I can't remember if we've told this story on the podcast before, but um, my girlfriend Casey and I were moving moving in together when i I had just moved down from Colorado to Georgia, and that's like when I first met my husband Carl. and um, but when we when we got down to Georgia, we didn't have any furniture. And this was really the first time I had moved away from home that wasn't like, college or the dorms or so It was the first time I'd needed like a table and a couch. Yeah. Um And so we're like, okay, we need a table. We need a couch. And we seriously have no money. And we're like, where are we going to find this? And we were driving to dinner and we drove past the um, dumpster of our apartment complex and saw a full couch and a coffee table just sitting there. And it wasn't in the dumpster, but it was next to the dumpster. And it was like Whoever had put it there and meant it to be trash. But we were like, hey, one man's trash, our, totally our treasure. And so we rescued this couch. We ended up finding out why they wanted to give it away or get rid of it. And it's because they had had cats and you could tell. So oh, especially no. when it would rain, it would get like super stinky. So we called it the cat couch. But we like scrubbed awesome. it down and sprayed it with as much Febreze as we could find and like really cleaned it and vacuumed it and had it for, I mean... A couple of years and it was a great nap spot if you could get over the smell. And it just like so I mean that's what we were working with, but it was just such a special, like I don't know, you, you do what you can with what you have. And our apartment was so cozy, even though our couch was from the dumpster. You
1: know what you that's, can. That is awesome. I and see, I think that's just like proof, like um you can be content and happy with what you have in the moment and make it cozy. I want to ask you this
0: really quickly, because I think that one of the things, just the word content sparked this in my mind with Instagram and Pinterest specifically. We all the time are seeing photos and like, I don't know, really just photos and videos of people's houses that are like perfect. And I think that that makes it, can make it really hard to feel content with where we are. How do you, I mean, I'm sure that you go through this too. Like, how do you navigate The space between I want to make my house cozy and continue growing, and also feel content with what I have. Like, how do you navigate that in the world of social media?
1: I I struggle with that too. I feel like we all do, um, whether we talk about it or not. And I actually wrote about this a lot in the book because being content and staying in your season of life can be really hard when you're seeing everyone else's season of life. And I think just remembering that, that we're all in different seasons of our lives. And um, if that's something, it's awesome to have goals and we can make goals for ourselves. Just knowing that they are goals and that there will be a season of life when that comes to fruition, I think is exactly the mindset you have to keep when you're on Instagram or Pinterest just knowing that you're in a season of life right now and that you can get to that season of life. And if Instagram and Pinterest starts to become something that discourages you and doesn't inspire you, I totally recommend taking a hiatus from social media until you're, um, you can get that mindset again, that everyone's in a different season of life and you can work towards that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I really appreciate that. I've had to do that in all kinds of seasons. Like just step away from Pinterest or Instagram or unfollow certain accounts or something and I do find that that when I'm not on, you know, when I'm not looking at other people's houses, I find so much joy in the way that my house is today. But when I do find myself looking at all kinds of photos and videos and magazines and all kinds of things, that's when I start to look around my around my house feeling really like dissatisfied with it. And so it's like that's kind of the hint to me of like it's time to put the magazines away. It's time to like step yep. back because this is the house I have right now and and I think it's just like in any in any kind of seasonal thing in our lives, if we're always looking at the next thing, then once we get to that next thing, we'll still be looking at the next thing. We'll never fully enjoy our space or our season of life if we're always like waiting for what's next.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think that Pinterest and Instagram and blogs I think it should always be a source of inspiration. So when it's not being inspirational, that's it's it's exactly it. like stepping away is really healthy.
0: Yeah, I love that. So Liz, I want to ask you, like how do we do this? How do we make our home our favorite place to be? Like what are some big picture things we can start thinking about that will help us get there?
1: I think starting out um just like the basics of going through your house and deciding what you love and what you want to get rid of. And from there, um, this is kind of a cool step because you can totally um, sell some things and add to your budget from the things that you sell that you don't love. But I think what has helped me the most make our home cozy at all stages is being clutter free. Mind you, I do love some clutter. I find that cozy, but it's all collections that I love um, and things that just bring our home joy or that are useful. Um, but I think going through your home and ridding your home of things that you don't love, don't need, don't use can take a huge way off of you. And also, like I said, add to your spending budget um, for things that you do love or you do need for your home. So I think that's just like, the number one step. I mean, and anyone can do that. It's it's free. It's a Saturday afternoon, basically like deep cleaning your house. So anyone can do that.
0: How do you, when you say that you're clutter-free, like what does that
1: look like? How do you, how do you live a life that's clutter-free? So this is really interesting. Um, I am not actually always great at this and I'll be the first one to admit it. And I can tell when I am, um, not clutter free, um just to put it simply, I start to get stressed and I start to shut doors in our home. Um and when I try to relax and get cozy, I think of those things that I need to do or I need to clean. And actually just yesterday as an example, um I had my neighbor come over. Um she's one of my best friends and um she is 65. We actually share the same birthday, but we are best friends and um she actually helped me clean my laundry room because it wasn't clutter free and it was starting to stress me out. I couldn't like move on and do anything else in our home. Um I couldn't even work yesterday because it was just on my mind. So we went through and we did a toss pile, um a sell pile and a donate pile. And it was awesome. We got rid of like clothing items and just things that I didn't need and I feel so good today and i think that can just be a refresher um to anybody even if you're not looking to change much in your house i think it can be so refreshing to just declutter your home i think that there's
0: something ca- like really cathartic about it like i i i've always been a huge believer that our insides and our outsides like kind of reflect each other. Like when I'm in a really busy season, you can tell because my house starts to get kind of messy. Like it's my inside or my outsides reflect my insides. But also I find that my my insides, my heart and my mind are so calms when the space around me is calm. And there's a lot of time like there are so many times in our lives when we can't like we're facing things we can't control or we're we're just in the thick of it in some area of our lives. But the thing that we can hold on to and and control is the space around us. And so a lot of times that's like, just, it's like, if we can't simplify our lives, at least we can simplify our closets and it doesn't fix it, but it just helps a little bit. Um, and I like every time I've done that, I've just breathed this big sigh of relief. Like I just feel a level of peace of, of just making my life just a tiny bit simpler. It just helps everything else somehow.
1: It totally does. And I feel like that's how that kind of started when I was 19 and um, Jose was deploying. I felt like I couldn't control things around me, but I could control my surroundings and the way that it made my mind and my heart feel. It, deployments and everything were hard. And and moving on from there, um, we went through years of um, many miscarriages and infertility. And I feel like cozy spaces became a huge passion during that season as well, because um, obviously I couldn't control my miscarriages or my infertility, but I could control the spaces around me.
0: Yeah. I found that I spent a lot of time thinking about the space around me in the last couple of years. I I noticed that I was really struggling with anxiety and the anxiety kind of turned into depression after a while. And I think that I've probably struggled with anxiety for most of my life, but I just thought that that's how everyone's mind was. And, and really it was, um, last summer it kind of came to a head and, and was like, wow, this is really, it was, it got bad enough that I realized that it wasn't like that something was happening. But one of the things that I did that just, like it didn't fix it, but it helped a little was, I mean, I deep cleaned and organized everything. And, and again, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing what I can to, to, Help heal my heart and my mind. And I'm, you know, going to the right doctors and I'm, you know, taking care of myself, but it's not fixed yet. And it feels like everything's kind of a mess. So the one thing I can control is the fact that we don't have like a hundred expired spices in our spice cabinet anymore. And it's like organized by type. Um, And it, it doesn't, again, it doesn't fix like big major heart or life things, but it just helps a little. At least you don't have to go through the big major life things in a space that. Like you, you get to go through them in a space that feels really nice.
1: Yeah. And you can create a haven and, um, for you and your family, um, for Jose and I, when we were going through all this infertility and miscarriages, it helped our marriage. It helped just have a safe place to come home to, um, and to comfort each other when we weren't surrounded by clutter and when our spaces were pretty and cozy, it really did help. And uh, honestly, um, I think interior design and home decor, it can seem shallow at times, but, um, I'm a huge believer that, um, it can really help your heart and your mind and your relationships, um, when you have a cozy home.
0: I love that. Well, so one of the things that I love most about your book is that it's really practical. And I love that you've broken this process that can feel huge and overwhelming and like you need a degree and a bazillion dollars into tiny bites that actually feel doable. And one of my favorites that you talked about is number six, where you talk about your uh, like favorite cozy basics. And you just laid out a handful of things that can make any room cozy. And now that you say that, I'm picturing like you having holes in your floor and a kitchen that doesn't exist. So, knowing that you were writing this book from that place, what what is your list of things that can make any room cozy?
1: So, I have on there um little things just like adding a rug, things that maybe we don't think of if our when we were writing this book, we were living on subfloor. So, we didn't even have flooring down. Just adding a rug on top of the subfloor was like, "Oh, wow, like we could actually like be cozy in this living room without like just subfloor with sawdust below us. Little things like that, adding a rug. I also have um, items like using white paint, really neutralizing your spaces. You can build off of that and building color and texture off of that. But um, that is a huge tip of mine, especially when someone's like, no, but I really like color. I love showing people that you can really start with a neutral base and have a very colorful, happy space that you can change little things out often. Um, So that was on there. Um, I also have little things like um, painting furniture, but also um, adding wood tones. Um, I think that we often think of if we like painted furniture, we often don't think of also adding in wood tones um, to make a space cozy. Um, So I have little things like that. And then from there, obviously, texture is massive, um, from pillows, again, rugs, um, throw blankets, things like that, but just thinking of different textures. And often we don't think of textures like glass or mirrors, just really playing around with those. So I have a huge section on that. Um, and also incorporating plants, um, that's massive, whether they're faux or real. I also talk a lot about real plants in here and how to be a plant mom. Mm Um, because that was something that I learned but real plants can really 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 brighten your mood um whether it's a vase of flowers or um having some easy to care for plants as well so just little things like that um are a great place to start
0: i mean i'm picturing this in my head and i think having you know even if you have just the barest room if you have a rug that feels good on your like under your feet you have something alive in there um you have some like The walls aren't red, but you could, you know, cause that's stressful, but you know, so everything's kind of calm, but then you can have some fun and color, colorful pillows. You have a soft blanket. Like that is, I don't know. I feel like that's, that's absolutely enough for all of us to take a deep breath and be like, ah, I like being here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the rooms that I think is like, the most important in our, in our homes, the room that I feel like is most important in our house, but the room that's always been the trickiest for me is the living room, because I feel like our bedrooms, they have a huge bed in it. So that like immediately, you know, answers some questions for us. Like what kind of furniture in here do I need to have in here? Well, like probably a bed. But our living rooms can be so many different things like a love seat or a couple of chairs or do they face each other or do they need a match or like, do you have them against the wall or whatever? I feel like our living rooms often look super weird uh, because we don't know how to design them. And, but when a living room is, is great and cozy, that's the, that's a room where community happens. And so can you walk us through, like, how do you actually arrange the furniture in your living room so that it? is actually cozy.
1: Yeah. So um, number 14 in the book actually like covers all of that. And um, it was actually one of my favorite things to... Right in the book because I agree with you. I think it can be really tricky. And I see a lot of spaces um, when people come to me asking how to make a space cozy. I see a lot of um, these little things that can just be changed in five minutes and instantly change the entire room. And one of those things is finding your focal point. That is just where you need to start. And I think that can be really hard for people, um, whether it's your TV, a window or a fireplace. I think finding your main focal point, and there can be more than one, um, is just where you need to start. What do you want the room to be used for? What is the purpose? And I think that's just where a lot of people think, oh, it's a TV, but are you wanting it more for community? Um, Are you wanting people to come over? Do you host Bible studies um, where you all want to be looking at each other? I think that's that's just the place to start. Um, And after that, I think um, one of the biggest misconceptions is that we have to be against a wall. I think just knowing that you can take everything off your wall, meaning your sofa doesn't have to touch the wall or your chairs don't have to. I think arranging your furniture um, closer together, bring it in. Um, I shared like literal dimensions in the book, um, but I think bringing everything in just a little bit closer Instantly makes it cozy. And really, when people come over or even if it's just your family, I think it inspires conversation when you're not all against a wall and far away from each other. I think when you bring the sofa and you bring the chairs in a little closer, it just envelops everyone into community and wanting to talk and just being cozy together.
0: It's funny because when, like every time I've moved, my first instinct is to put a couch against a wall. Like it just seems to make it's sense, common. but in every, in every photo I've ever seen of a living room I like, or every living room I've ever been in that I like, nothing is touching the wall. It's like, they're all sort of, everything is like on a rug in the middle. It's like a rug makes a room inside of a room and it's all kind of in the middle in like sort of a little, I don't know, like sitting, there's a sitting area, Yeah, but it seems really counterintuitive to do it that way because it feels like you're breaking rules by pulling things away from the wall.
1: Yeah. And I think that's exactly it. I feel like um, we have these rules inside our head, like what you said, that's perfect. Like what makes sense. And I think making things make a little... Less sense when you're working with things can make your room more exciting and more cozy, more intriguing. Um, but I like what you said as well. Like use your rug. Like start with your rug. Getting a rug that is the correct size is number two as to finding your focal point. Um, if you have a large room, you're going to need a large rug, and you want all of your furniture pieces touching the rug in some ways, and that. Using that will help you make more sense when pulling your furniture off the wall um using your rug as your guide, so that's that's huge
0: that's something that i that's another thing that I think like I never understood, but then once I understood it, then I saw it everywhere, like every photo I've ever seen of a room that I like has a rug in the middle, and the furniture is like at least touching the rug, but whenever yeah. I would buy a rug, I would buy something to where it was like all the furniture is touching the wall. And then there's a table in the middle and then there's a rug. So the table's sitting on like an island, a rug Island, and it just looks super weird, but I couldn't figure out, like, I didn't know the rule. I didn't know the, like the guideline of, of everything needs to be at least touching the rug. And when you do it like that, even though that feels weird or I don't know, like that's not a natural, that's not something people just know, but when you see it, you go, Oh yeah. Okay. That's exactly how it should look.
1: Yeah. And I think a big tip um, as well is a lot of times like in big box stores, when you go to Target or um, stores like that, they only have the small version of the rug available. So I think when we're just shopping around for our homes, that's the rug we see. We grab it because we like it, but it's too small for our space. So looking online for that same rug, just in a bigger size, they don't carry those in the store. You have to order them online. So that's, that's a tip. Find the rug in the store that you like, but then go and order it online because you're probably gonna need a bigger size.
0: That is such a great tip. That is a really great tip. I'm picturing like a month ago standing in the aisle at Target being like, why is yep. they like why do they only have the five by seven? Yep. That's I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Hey guys, I hope you're loving this conversation with Liz as much as I am. Isn't she amazing? I wanted to pop in for one quick second to thank our sponsor for this week. Our sponsor for today is an amazing company called Zola. Now, I know you guys have heard me talk about Zola before, but they're a wedding company who's reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience. Now, I know that some of y'all are engaged right now or you're dating someone and engagement's just around the corner. I also know that lots of y'all are bridesmaids and maids of honor these days, helping your girlfriends and your sisters plan the best weddings possible. And so I just love getting to share Zola with you. A quick side note, my little sister got married a few months ago and I was her maid of honor. And so I got to help her plan her wedding, and my very first suggestion was that she sign up with Zola. It was such a huge help to her. I love what they're doing because for me, while getting engaged and planning our wedding was wonderful and fun and so, so special, it was also totally overwhelming. Zola gets this, and so they've made it their mission to make the whole thing a whole lot easier. They offer free wedding websites, the easiest wedding registry, affordable invite suites, and more. You can conveniently manage everything online and all in one place, which saves you so much time as you plan this big day. They really have thought of everything. So like I said, you can create a free wedding website through Zola and you can do it in just minutes. There are over a hundred beautiful designs to choose from and every single one of them is free. You can simplify your wedding planning process even more by doing your registry through Zola. They have the widest selection of gifts with all different price points and your favorite brands, including Cuisinart, OXO, Airbnb, isn't that fun? Plus, they're the only place where you can register for honeymoon funds and gift cards along with physical gifts. And if you do register through Zola, your Zola registry will automatically integrate with your Zola wedding website, which means that your guests can get all the details they need and buy you a gift in one convenient and beautiful place. Isn't that amazing? Guys, this is such a great resource if you're planning a wedding. The more I find out about Zola, the more I wish it had been an option when I got married, but it is for you and for your engaged girlfriends, so be sure to pass it along. To build your free wedding website on Zola and to get $50 towards your registry, go to Zola.com slash Stephanie, and you can get started today. Just in case you need that spelled out, it's Z-O-L-A. So again, to build your free wedding website on Zola and get $50 towards your registry, go to Zola.com slash Stephanie, and you can get started today. Zola, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We just love having you. All right, now let's jump back into my conversation with Liz. So one of the things that you talk about in the book, and this, this seems like a silly thing, but you talk a lot about throw blankets and I, this is like a random fact, but I, no matter what season it is, I'm always sitting under a blanket. Like whenever I do work. Yeah. I'm always, if I don't have a blanket over me, I feel, I feel weird. And so throw blankets are a huge part of my home. There's something I think about, but like, why, why are throw blankets important to our spaces? And then how do we find good ones?
1: So I, the, the throw blanket is literally like the icing on the cake to me. I'm, I'm envisioning a chair and I'm stumbling over my words because I'm envisioning this like naked chair and it can be really cold. Um, even if it's like a slip chair or an upholstered chair or a wood chair, throwing a blanket either on the seat or on over the arm of it. Instantly invite someone to come sit in that chair. And I think that's exactly what we need to create. We need to create these spaces that invite us in. They invite our guests in, um, they invite us in to be cozy. And that's what a throw blanket does. It it instantly says, come sit down, um, get under me and get cozy. And depending on the season, there's great throw blanket options from light cotton ones, you could do heavy wool. I recently have discovered that heavy blankets are really good for me. I have struggled a lot with anxiety and I have um, come to know this past year that my anxiety and depression and how to manage it and heavy blankets are really really good for me. So, um, I always gravitate towards either like a down blanket or, um, even like a wool blanket or even a weighted blanket, um, having that available, um, though they're not needed all the time. Having those available is really good for my anxiety.
0: That's something that I, I'm like, I've recently been realizing. I mean, I think that people have been talking about weighted blankets for a while now, but and and I don't always, so I don't have like a a technical weighted blanket, but I have noticed that if I have like just an extra blanket on top of my normal bed, that I sleep better. Like I did it last night and I just, I slept better under it. And we have these, um, in our like, uh, like living room, we have these really heavy cozy blankets that are like only good for winter, but we had them out all summer. Um, but we have one of the super fuzzy, um, Pottery Barn ones, and then we actually got one of the really big, heavy, furry ones from uh, Restoration Hardware as a Christmas gift last year, which was an awesome gift because I I would yeah. never be able to buy it for myself. Um, yeah, it was like my favorite gift of all time. But like we use them all the time, and they're so heavy, and they're so warm, and they're so cozy. But I really do notice a difference in just in my actual anxiety level by just being weighted down under something. And so it's cool that that's like an extra benefit to something that we don't think about that often like a throw yeah. blanket.
1: Yeah, and like you said too, I think that a throw blanket is worth the investment. I think that you can get affordable options, you know, in certain cases, but if you're wanting to invest in pieces, a great throw blanket, um like you said the ones from Restoration Hardware and Pottery Barn it's a, it's a great investment, and it's something that also you can test out and return. If you don't love it, and if it doesn't benefit you, um, you're allowed to do that. Um, but I think investing in a good throw blanket is a great thing to do. You know, as I'm as we're talking about
0: this, I'm just thinking about the different spaces in our house, and and something you said just like sparked this in my head. But w- when we were talking about the living room, you said like, what's the What's the focal point? Like, what's the purpose of this space? And I think that sometimes we forget to ask that. Like, what is the purpose of your bedroom? What is the purpose of your dining room? What is the purpose of your living room? And I think a lot of times it's like, it becomes, the purpose becomes like a place to throw our clothes or a place to like drop our bag at the end of the day or a place to sort our mail. But that's not actually the real purpose of it. The purpose is to gather. The purpose is to nourish and feed the people you love. The purpose is to rest. And so I think that that's like filtering things through the purpose of a space, I think helps a lot. Like we all know that we shouldn't be working in our bedrooms, but I think that when we keep work out of our bedrooms and make our bedrooms for rest, we sleep better. And and that actually really improves our quality of life. And it's just that extra step of thinking through things that I think most of the time we, for, we forget about, or it, it's, it's obvious, but it's also not, um, yeah, if that I, makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think that we're constantly like, how do we want this room to look? Like, we want this room to be beautiful, but like, how do you want to use the space? How is your family actually going to live in this space? Um, I think we're thinking form over function, um, maybe too much. And we need to actually know how our kids are going to come down the stairs every day and eat breakfast and how we're going to gather in the dining room. And we can have a beautiful centerpiece, but do we all fit around the table comfortably? Is it great for conversation? So I think, and all of our purposes are different. And that's also another thing to think about when you're looking online at other people's homes. We all have a different purpose in our homes. um, And we need to think of our family and our purpose before we start decorating.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing, I found this out the hard way when we were planning our wedding a couple of years ago. I found a like a centerpiece of you know, flowers and some greenery that I thought would be really beautiful for our tables. And I was thinking, like, you know, I want to keep them pretty simple. Like, you know, we were on a budget, and so I'm thinking, like, these are white flowers and greenery. This shouldn't be expensive. So I bring this photo from Pinterest to the florist, and she tells me that this floral arrangement that was small and just white flowers and greenery was going to be a $100 per table. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And she showed me that there were little buds that I couldn't even see that were like, you know, $20 a pop or so. I mean, just things like that. And she was like, you need to know this was made for a photo shoot. There was one. This wasn't a real person's wedding. This wasn't on every table. This was really just made for a photo shoot. And so I think that's the other thing we have to... I know I have to like filter that in my head is sometimes the photos we're seeing were just made for a photo shoot. It's not a real person's home. And so we can take inspiration from it, but our house isn't supposed to look like that because we don't live on a
1: photo set and we don't want to either. No, we need to use our homes. And I think that's like what makes it cozy is being able to use your home and actually being able to live in it and not worrying like, oh, don't touch that. Or you know what I mean? And actually being able to live there and having everyone be comfortable. Yeah.
0: I mean, that seems like that's actually the definition of cozy is having everyone be comfortable, but we forget about that.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: So one of the opportunities I've been trying to take advantage of more is the idea of styling shelves. Like we have surfaces in our house, like whether it's the top of a dresser or yeah, a, sh- a shelf in a room. Um, and I know that there are ways that we can, like I know how to just shove a bunch of books on there, but I also yeah. know that there are ways of that. That's like a great opportunity to put something beautiful that we like to look at on top of it. But I'm not great at the shelf game are there I, I know there are, but I don't know what they are. Are there some like rules, some guidelines or something that can make that we can use to make our shelves look prettier than they probably do today?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um how I start really um if we're just gonna go into how I start um, with my mindset is I go in and I first what is the purpose of this bookshelf? Is it all beautiful things? Am I wanting anything useful on it? If it's kitchen shelves, like, what do I need? Um, And then I move into like, what do I want? Like, what do I want it to look like? Um, I gather some items and I like our house to be more collected than decorated. Um, So I love collections over time that are meaningful to us um, rather than going out to a store and buying everything all at once. But again, depending on what season you're in, if you don't have collections or if you're just wanting it to look beautiful, we're all in different seasons. So gathering those items, whether it's a collection or you're going out to Target or Hobby Lobby or um, to get these items. And then I start from the bottom. You're wanting your shelves to be balanced and you don't want it to be top heavy or look like it's going to tip over. So I always start from the bottom and I do the bigger things on the bottom, like baskets or um, large vases or large items. And then I move on up from there. And I think beyond that, um, I think keeping your shelves looking cohesive um, is really important. Um, I have a whole section in the book on shelving. And one of my big keys is I always add plants to everything. I think that is the icing on a bookshelf, whether you have books or uh, just like an antique collection. I think adding plants in it is the icing on the cake. Um, It finishes off the shelving and um, it just makes it look complete.
0: I love that. I love that. Um, the, the balance thing is, is interesting. And one of those things that like you, I, again, I wouldn't think of it, but when I see it, I can tell that something's wrong, you know? And I like the idea of baskets too. That's something that I've been trying to play with a little bit more. There are like, I feel like more than ever, just really beautiful baskets in the world and they can hold all kinds of things that aren't that beautiful. And that's like, if you have a bunch of, Like an example is we have this sort of drop zone um, by our back door and it's where like mail goes and magazines that we haven't gone through yet and our keys and our sunglasses and our wallets and stuff like that. And I got a cute little basket and now instead of having it just clutter the whole top of the dresser, we have just a cute little basket to hold it all in. And it makes a really big difference in just having your, like the first space you see not feel quite so cluttered, but it's a really easy switch.
1: Yeah, it it does. And I think like the idea of balance and using all that too is like thinking about visual weight. Um, everything has a visual weight to it. So um, when you're working side to side on your shelves as well, you could have three little pieces over here um, on one side of the shelf. And on the other side, you could have one big piece, but they they equal out to the same visual weight, the three items and the one item. And I think keeping that in mind as you move up is huge. And using baskets for that is awesome. Um, if you have like some books and a tiny little plant on one side and then a basket on the other, um, it can even out the visual weight. So I think thinking of that all the way up on um, your shelves, whether it's a big bookcase or your kitchen shelves is, is major.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I've never thought about it that way before, like visual weight. So if you had just on one side of a table, a whole huge stack of books and nothing on the other side. It looks wrong, and it's because it it look it's off balance. So, like you have to have something that's sort of of the same size. It doesn't have to also be books on the other side to sort of balance it out. That yep. makes sense in a way it never has to me before. See, I'm studying this. I'm so yeah, interested I said, in it, but I'm like not naturally good
1: at it. So happy, yeah. This is yeah. This makes me happy. So one of the things I know
0: you talked about in the book is lighting. And that's kind of my new project of of thinking about lighting in our home because I think that that's another thing where you walk into a space and it can be really, it can be perfectly designed, but not feel cozy. And it's all because of the lighting. And you can walk into a place that probably, like, I bet that your house, even though it didn't have floors, felt cozy and a lot of it had to do with the lighting. And so what do we need to do What's, what is the difference between cozy lighting and
1: stark, not cozy lighting? (laughs) This is like, it's honestly, when people like ask about your pet peeves, lighting is huge to me. Um, cold blue lights, they're sold at home Depot. When you go buy your light bulbs, um, you can choose a cool blue light for your home and it will make your home look like an industrial office. And it can be, it can turn a cozy room instantly cold and uninviting. Simply switching out a light bulb to a warm bulb is like the like the simplest thing you can do to make your home cozy. And it's so drastic. Um, I have tried to show photos on the blog before of like the before and after, and it's honestly, it's it's drastic, and um, it can instantly make it inviting just from switching a bulb out. But beyond that. If you like lighting candles in your home as well, um, having a candle lit in a room is like the best lighting. Also, if you can add dimmers, um, to your lights, so you can make it softer, all those things. And everyone has different preferences on everything, including lighting. Someone might love a cool blue light. They, they might find that inviting. Um, so just again, I have, I give tips in the book and preferences of light bulbs to use, but using it for your family, um, and choosing the right bulb in lighting for your family.
0: That's so like, just that is such a small switch, just switching a light bulb and, and like cheap too. It's just uh, like, I would never, I would never think of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Th- okay. That's really awesome. One other thing you mentioned kind of in the same vein of like really small switches that make a really big difference is background music. Can you talk to us about that?
1: Yeah. So my definition of cozy is all of my senses at once being at peace, every sense, including hearing, um, visual, um, taste, smell, everything, um, all at once just being comforted. And one of those things is music. And again, we all have different preferences in music, but, um, in our home, when we have music playing, um, you know, different times for different things, like even the other night we were giving our son a bath and we had music playing and it was just so comforting to me. Um, and I felt like, we were just making these memories because of like simple music playing. I mean, that's just the simplest thing. Um, Also when you have people over at your house or um, you're having a dinner party, having soft music playing in the background can be really comforting to your guests as well. It also fills in those quiet spaces when you don't want them. I just think that music can, we often don't think about it when we're trying to make a space cozy, but um, investing in some kind of like Bluetooth speaker system so you don't have to have wires everywhere, um, having like a Bluetooth speaker there and having soft music can just instantly make a space cozy and your ears happy.
0: I love that. I love that. That's again, all of these things are just like really small extra steps that make a really big difference. I, we have, um, like a small Bluetooth speaker downstairs in our house. And I love it. And every time I do turn on music, it just changes everything. And it just changes the way I feel in that space. But I like forget to a lot. And it's it's crazy. It's just first thing in the morning, I should go downstairs and I should turn on some music because it just, I don't know, it just changes the way the whole space feels. But it's just a simple step that I think we forget we can take.
1: It is. And music can definitely change your mood um, depending on the mood that you're in or wanting to obtain. Um, Music can be a huge help in that. So
0: I love that. So, okay, this is last but not least. And I feel like this is a really important question and also something that has stumped me forever. I feel like one of the biggest differences between my house always and photos I see of houses that I really love happens in like in my bed. So when I make my bed and when I buy things for my bed, it looks okay, but not all that cozy. And then when I walk into a store or see a photo or something, I look at a bed and it looks like a fluffy cloud and I cannot for the life of me figure out what the difference is between like what I'm doing wrong. So how, how do you make a bed that feels like it's just overflowing with comfiness?
1: I have the answer and it's really easy. It's honestly like the most easy thing ever, but it's something that we don't get taught. And that is to overstuff all the things. So if you have a duvet cover, you're wanting to not put one, um, filler in there. You're wanting to put two, um, and you're wanting to buy things all oversized when possible. So if you have a clean duvet. clean Buying a king and having it oversized inside of the duvet is the key. Um, Overstuffing all of your pillows. So if you have a 20-inch pillow, um, you're wanting to put at least a 22 to 24-inch pillow form inside of it. Using down or down alternative is key. Um, I stay away from polyfill. And I don't buy any pillow form or any pillow from a store that doesn't have a zipper on it that I can't put my own pillow form into. You're wanting to just overstuff all of the things. And then the next thing is layers. Obviously, you want to work in layers. When you're doing your pillows, you're wanting to start with your um, bed pillows, the ones that you sleep on. Um, Start from there. And again, oversizing those. And then work up. You're wanting to do everything oversized. So you don't want any like mini 16 inch pillow on your bed. It's going to look cluttered. It's not going to look cozy. You want everything just to be bigger. And my biggest thing, like even when I'm working on a sofa, I don't know why more people don't do this, but buying Euro shams, they're big, they're 24 inches. You're wanting to 24 to 26 inches on a sofa is so inviting. And it's like the biggest pillow. Um, and it's nothing like too small. And you're wanting to do the same thing on your bed, Euro shams and overstuffing those, working up from your bed pillows, and then having everything undone a little bit. So your blankets, you're wanting to do a sheet and then however many cozy layers you want. Um, I at least always have three, but when you're making the bed, maybe folding over the corner Um, And having a throw thrown over the end, having it undone a tiny bit um, can be so inviting at the end of the day. So you're making your bed, but you're not having it creased and um, perfect looking. You're having it a little bit undone is the most inviting thing at the end of the day and easy to get into.
0: This is like, this is, no one tells us this. (laughs) So, okay, wait, when you're saying over stuff, are you saying, so like, you buy a for a queen bed for example do you buy a queen like duvet cover or do you buy a king
1: and then put two king duvets in that's what i do so for a queen bed i have always purchased king everything because you're having more of an overflow on to the side of the bed. I think that's my biggest pet peeve with bedding is like, why aren't they making it longer? So I think for a queen, you're gonna wanna buy a king and so on and so forth. And then also if you have a king bed, they do, um, like on Etsy and things like that, they do make oversized bedding. Um, so that's what I've purchased before is something that's bigger than a king for my king bed. Um, I, I like it just to be oversized and spilling over. Um, another thing that you can do um, is when you're working, I know we think of like bed skirts as kind of like maybe it's our grandma's, but they don't have to be. Um, having like a linen bed skirt um, kind of gives... And if if. If you have like linen bedding or, um, so on and so forth with, with whatever fabric you're using, it can give the illusion of the bedding spilling onto the floor, um, using your bed skirt. So you can kind of give that illusion of more bedding and it's, it can be low maintenance.
0: So whenever, like whenever we see a really fluffy bed, there are two duvet covers in,
1: Oh yeah. Or two, two like comforters in the duvet. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Maybe more. But yeah, so we in ours, we have two. And when they're folded over, it's just the most full thing. Um, it's It rounds out the bed um, and then finishing it off with a throw thrown over like the end of the bed, whether you do it over the whole end um, and having everything kind of rolled over. Um, I mean, it's hard to talk about this like on a podcast. I'm right. trying to like, visually like talk with my hands, but um, having everything kind of like undone a little bit and rolled over, um, it just gives it like that large, fluffy look.
0: Man, I like, I'm wondering if anyone else's mind is totally blown. You guys are going to have to let us know. And like, as you put these things into practice, you're going to have to like send us photos because I want to see what you guys come up with. And Liz, seriously, this has been like the big question in my mind of, which is silly, but like, how in the world do people do this? And it's like, I've, I've been doing it halfway and I didn't
1: even know it was a simple answer. Just overstuff all of the things. That is like the biggest key to your sofa, to your bed, to everything is just overstuff it.
0: So you're putting with pillows, you're putting pillows that
1: are too big in like. You're going one size up into your. Um, so you're putting a one size up pillow form into the um, pillowcase. Yeah. Yep.
0: Man. Okay. Well, I need to know if anyone else's mind is totally blown because mine is. Liz, I do you have any last, just last piece of encouragement for women who are sitting in their house feeling like, I don't look forward to coming home at the end of the day because my house doesn't make me feel the way I want to feel, but I want to get there. Just like one last piece of encouragement.
1: Yeah. I Making your home cozy and making it somewhere that you love and that your family wants to come home to and loves as well is obtainable don't be scared and don't limit yourself. I feel like oftentimes we get discouraged and we're like, oh, we're not good as good as someone else, or we're online. You don't have to be. And your home can be somewhere you love and it's obtainable. And that's what I hope this book shows everybody is that anyone can do what I do and making our homes cozy. It's, it's, It's doable. I love that. Liz, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. Thank you.
0: Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I can't tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you would do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our Girls' Night. So would you do me a huge favor and just take one quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help me out so much. And thank you to all of you who have left all of those beautiful five-star reviews already. It means the world to me. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. We'll see you then.